chapter 17. And uh, I'm just going to get in line with the uh, uh, familiar Bible stories, if that's all right. I like that. They're familiar for a reason. And it's because they are deep wells of great help and truth. And by the way, anytime a preacher tells you to turn to a familiar text, you ought to immediately throw your hands up in the air and just say, Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that this scripture is familiar. There's places in the world that they don't even have a Bible in their language. And the preacher says, John 3, 16, and we roll our eyes, you know, or one of these familiar. We ought to thank God it's familiar to us. I'm glad I grew up in this, Brother Josh. I'm glad these texts are familiar. And I'm glad there's been men of God that have over time and time again kept pointing me to these, these texts like we heard this morning. Thank God for it. Thank God for it. And so I won't tell you anything you've never heard before or just these familiar truths from a familiar text. And uh, just stay right in line with what we've heard this morning. And I, I, I thank God for the preaching this morning. 1 Kings 17, and uh, look at verse number 8, please. <clears throat> verse 8. The Bible says, And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying... Of course, that him is Elijah. Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. And he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. She said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal and a barrel and a little oil and a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first. And bring it unto me and after make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah. And she and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not. Neither did the cruise of oil fail according to the word of the Lord which he spake by Elijah. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for the faithfulness and the familiarity, Lord, of this text. But, Lord, I pray that you would help us look once again and draw uh, water from this, this, uh, this old well. Lord, I pray that you touch me and help me, God, to be a blessing to your people. Lord, I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. When we come to our text this morning, we find that God is moving his preacher. He was there at the brook Cherith. The brook is dried. And the ravens have stopped their delivery service and the word of the Lord is calling the shots. It's amazing to me. I love this and I know you've seen this before, but it really helps me. Elijah did not move when the brook dried up. Elijah moved when the word of the Lord came to him and told him to move. Circumstances ought not dictate our behavior. Many times that's how we live. We're reactive instead of 
reactive to circumstances instead of reactive to the Word of God. One of the hardest things to do is wait on God and uh, wait on Him to move you. Instead of looking at circumstances and just making a pragmatic decision about it and thinking, well, it's time to go. But that's not how it went. And the Word of the Lord came to him and said, and that's when he got up and left. We are to obediently follow God. Now, as I look in this text, I'm aware that there's no way that I could put everything in here that God is doing. We have no idea all that God... God's doing a million things at one time in this text. But I thought about a few that maybe we could pinpoint just for a moment. I thought about how God is doing a a protecting work. God is keeping Elijah safe from Jezebel and from Ahab. He's enemy number one in Israel. And And it's amazing to me, God is keeping Elijah safe in Jezebel's hometown. This is where Jezebel's from. Isn't that something right there? God is doing a preserving work. In fact, that's what he says uh, in, uh, in verse number 9, that there's a widow woman here in Zarephath, and he's going to sustain you. She's going to sustain you. And God is doing a preserving work. And a lot, a lot of times God will move you from here to there, uh, not, because, uh, not because of the situation, of the but just because he's trying to help you. He wants to preserve you. And you may not realize it, but God's protecting you, and God is preserving you. God, I think we can also... Uh, find that God is doing a punishing work in this text. It's a punishment to even the land of Israel. Elijah is a true man of God. Elijah is the embodiment of the Word of God. God is speaking through Elijah. And by God removing Elijah from Israel and putting him into a Gentile country, God is almost saying, I have nothing else to say to you. You are under judgment and I am taking you and I'm going to send a word to a little Gentile uh, a widow woman over here. And if you don't think that's what's going on, that's exactly what Jesus told the Pharisees in Luke chapter number 4. He said there were many widow women, widow women in Elijah's day. But to one Gentile widow woman did God send Elijah. And if you want to know what they surmised from that teaching, well they picked up stones and they wanted to kill Jesus or they wanted to throw him off a cliff or something, I don't remember. But it wasn't good. It wasn't a good response. I remember that. It's in Luke 4. Read it sometime. What I'm saying is they got the picture. They understood that, that, that Jesus said, listen, if you don't want to listen, I'll go take the word to somebody who will. The miracles that God wants to give uh, uh, Israel, now I'm going to take these miracles and I'm going to give them to the Gentiles over here. There's a little prophecy in that too, isn't there? There's a punishing work. Then I, I think we can see that God is doing a, a preparing work as well, a, a proving work. God is proving to Elijah that he is able to take care of him. You see, before Elijah can get up on the, the mountain and call fire down from heaven and prove to all Israel that there is but one God in Israel, God first is going to take Elijah and put him aside and put him away and do a work on him. God's going to prove himself to uh, his man first before his man can prove to the whole world that God is God. And, and we must know there's things that you know because you've heard it and there's things that you know because you've lived it. That's why these older preachers, they got a touch on them that honestly some of us young preachers don't have and we're not going to have just yet. They've lived the thing. We preach them by faith. We preach them because it's right, but we preach them because we've, we've seen it or we've heard it or we've read it. But these men, they preach where they've been living at and things they've been through. And God will use these situations in Elijah's life to prove to him 
who he is. In fact, I think really all these things. God lifts Elijah to a national platform and then immediately tucks him away and hides him away. I, I think God is doing a work on Elijah. That word careth or chereth, the brook careth, it means a cutting on, a cutting place. God puts Elijah on his operating table and begins to cut some things on him. I've been preaching through the life of Elijah, and that's what I, I preached on God's operating table, with God's cutting on Elijah, cutting some things out of his life there at the brook. And then God brings him to Zarephath. That word Zarephath means to melt. God first cut on him, and then now he's melting him and melting things out of his life. What a, what a, what a humbling thing this is. You know, the New Testament talks about how the men of God ought to take care of the widows, but here in the Old Testament we have a widow taking care of the man of God. What a humbling experience this is. And this whole account is really a testimony to the fact that And what we're learning here is that God's economy, God's realm is not like ours at all. You see, many times we get this mindset that we have to get all we can and then can all we get and then sit on the can, right? And try to just grab all we can grab and hold on to and clutch everything tightly. But the lesson here that this widow woman is learning and even the man of God is that that's not how God operates at all. God is a God who asks for things. He demands things. And He also supplies things. And I want to look at that in the text, just point out some real obvious truths and then I'll take my seat, but I want to, that's what I want to preach on just for a minute, just for a few moments this morning. God's laws of supply and demand. God's laws of supply and demand. Let's, 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 let's identify these laws of God's supply and demand. And then we'll be done. Number one, I want to call the first one here this morning, the law of priority. The law of priority. And here's what the law of priority states. The law of priority says this, that God demands before He supplies. God demands before He supplies. Now I want you to think about this widow woman here. She is a uh, obviously a widow woman. That means that there has been some grief in her life. I think we could make the case possibly that this grief has been recent in her life because Elijah, before he ever talks to her, before he ever speaks to her, he doesn't even ever ask her her story or anything like that. But from afar, from a distance, and while she's at the gate gathering these sticks, Elijah notices that she is in fact a widow woman, the kind that God told him that he would encounter when he comes to Zarephath. And I think maybe he knows that because maybe the garments that she has on, maybe she is in her garments of widowhood and maybe it has been something recent within the last 30, 60, 90 days, whatever their custom may have been. I think it makes sense as well because there's a famine in the land, there's a drought obviously that's affected not just Israel but surrounding territories and and, and it would make sense that her husband was her source of income, that was her source of security. Now he is gone and she is looks like she's gone through all of her savings, it's all gone, and she is down to the very, very last meal that she can possibly muster up. The cruise has just a little bit of oil in it, and the barrel has just a little bit of meal in it, and then that's it. One meal for her, one meal for her boy, and then that's it. But yet, when God comes to her, and I say God, knowing that it's Elijah, but it is God in Elijah, and when God, a pagan woman who does not know Jehovah God personally, maybe she's heard some
some things, but she doesn't know. And when God comes to her, the very first words out of God's mouth to her are, fetch me. You see that in verse 10? Verse 11, bring me. Verse 13, make me. God does not sympathize with her situation. God doesn't say, Elijah doesn't say, I'm here from God and he has told me everything that you've gone through and I want you to know that God of heaven knows you and he loves you and he's here to take care of you and he's going to do it. And all those things are true, but that's not the message. That was not the word to this widow woman. The word of this widow woman was, fetch me. Bring me. And, and in verse 13, it's make me first. Not just go get it. Not just bring me something. But not just make me a meal, but make it first. Before you make one for you, before you make one for your own son, make me one first. No promises of health. No promises of wealth. No promises of prosperity. No, sow your seed of $77 and, and you'll have wealth and health and abundance and all that stuff you hear on TV. It's not none of those things. God didn't, and can I tell you, that's how God operates. God is not a prosperity God. God is Jehovah God. He is sovereign God. And when God comes to us, He makes a demand. And that's why Bible Christianity is not too popular these days because of the demands that it places on us. And that's why these pretty boys make a lot of money with their churches and have a lot of people and all this stuff because they don't talk about God's demands. They just talk about everything that God wants to do for them. God exists for you and He's here to make your life comfortable. And he's here to make your life happy. And He's here to make your life more wealthy and all that. He wants you to be skinny and happy and famous and rich. And God exists for you. Well, I got some preachers you'd like, Brother Pierce. Amen. God exists. Can I tell you something? Let me, just, let me just let you in on this, and you already know this, but, but listen to it real close. God doesn't exist for you. You exist for Him. And when the God of glory wants to come down and make a demand on your life, He has every right to do so. Elijah didn't approach this woman to make a deal. He said, if you'll do this, then God will do this. If you'll do that, no. He'd come with a demand of God. In fact, it wasn't Elijah's demand. It wasn't Elijah's command. It was God's command. In fact, it was a command that this woman already had on her life, but she just did not know it. In fact, that's what verse 9 says, right? Before the widow woman is ever confronted, Elijah was already told by God, Behold, I have commanded. Past tense, already done it. It's already done. The man of God did not come to command her. The man, of, the man. By the way, I don't have any right to command you or demand you, but I do have every right to stand up here and tell you what God's already demanded out of your life. And what God has already commanded out of your life. And by the way, it's not extreme to tell people to put God first. Sometimes I, I, my flesh and my, maybe it's the, our enemy or Satan. I don't know what it is. The devil, I don't know what the world makes me feel guilty for getting up and telling people to put God first in their life. You know, I know people have got busy lives and they got things they want to do and all kind of stuff. And I, I feel like sometimes I'm interrupting people's lives by standing up and telling them, hey, put God first. Put God first. But can I tell you, that is the, that, that's not my command. That doesn't come from me. I'm just here to tell you what God already has put on your life. He's already demanded you to put Him first. And Elijah didn't come with a bag of groceries. He came with another mouth to feed. 
This woman, she said, if there is a God, I need help, I need food. And what does God send her? God sends her a hungry preacher. You pray for substance and God sends you a mouth to feed. I feel like I've been living that here recently. Been praying for a raise and God sent us a baby. You say, oh, children, they're such a wealth. No, they're expensive. It costs money. And they don't contribute anything. This woman's praying for groceries and God gives her somebody else to feed. What an absurd thing. Unless you know how God operates. And that is to recognize that God always demands before He supplies. That's the way it works. That's the way it works in God's economy and God's kingdom. He says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And then He'll add all these things unto you. That's how it operates. You put God first. You put God first. You put Him first. And then God will give you what you need. And see, our problem is, is that we have a low view of God. Our problem is we view God, and, and, and so does the world mostly looking in on Christianity. They view God as a God that wants to take. God wants to take my fun, and He wants to take my money, and He wants to take my pleasure, and He wants to take my joy. And they look at God as a taker. There's many Christians in our churches. That's how they look at Man, There's another missionary to support. There's another offering to take up. There's another thing to go to. And there's another revival made. And God's just taking, 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 taking. But can I tell you, that is not our God at all. Our God is not a taker our God is a giver he gives grace and he gives wisdom and he gave his son and he said if he didn't withhold his son he'll freely give you all things God by nature is not a taker because he don't need anything you got anyway God is a giver and can I tell you really what you got what people are so worried about God taking it's really not that great anyway all that, listen, your stuff and your money and your job and your things, all that, it's really not all it's cracked up to be. This woman, God comes to her and says, give me what you have. This woman could have clutched it. She could have held it. She could have said, God is a horrible God. Why in the world would he ask me something like that? But I think she looked at it and said, what do I have to lose? If I give this and God doesn't come through, what are we going to do? Die one day earlier? We're going to die anyway. And can I tell you, your life's not that great. Give it to God. Let Him take it and make something great out of it. You give God your temporary and He will give you His eternal. And that's the way this thing operates. It's the law of priority. You put Him first. God always demands before He supplies. Can I give you a second one very quickly? Not only the law of priority, but I see another law working in here in this story. I call it the law of provision. And that is this. God supplies what He demands. God will supply what He demands. What He asks out of you, He'll give it to you so you can give it to Him. In fact, by the way, you don't have anything He's ever asked you for that He hadn't gave you first anyway. Paul said, what do we have that we didn't receive? The answer is nothing. Everything we have has been given to us, the very breath and our body, the life that we have, any money you have in your pocket, anything that you got, the family that you have, it all came from God anyway. And if this widow woman would have known the demand, the command that God had placed on her life, she would have passed out. 
Wouldn't she? She didn't know that God, that's not how Elijah came. When Elijah came, he said, just give me a little bit of water. And she went to go do that first. And then while she's going to get some water, she said, that's something I can do. I can do that. I know where water is. She seems like a generous woman. She seems like a nice lady. And she yes, I'll go get you. I know we're in a, I know we're in a drought. We're in a famine. All these things. But I can find so I can do that. And, and when she went to go do what she could do, God interrupted her and says, hold on. I, gotta, I, gotta, I, I want to ask you to do something that you cannot do. And it wasn't just to make a meal. It was to set her command. The command that had been put on her life was to sustain a preacher to sustain God's man. She couldn't even sustain herself. She couldn't even sustain her son. But God had put another command, another demand on her life to sustain a preacher for what would be many days, probably years is going on here. And that's the way God works. He'll ask you to do what you can do. And then at some point in your life, He will interrupt your life and He'll up the ante just a little bit. And He'll ask you to do what you cannot do so you will know that you cannot do it and so you have to lean on God and He can do it through you. God gave this woman a promise in our text that he would supply that which has been commanded of her. I have given you this command, but I'm not just going to give you a demand. I will also give you the supply. God will never ask out of you something he has not already given to you or will not give through you. We've been assured by the God of heaven that his word by His Word that He would supply everything that we need. It's that way in salvation. You can't go to heaven unless you have perfect righteousness, perfect holiness. And so God said, you can't come up with that on your own. Yours is just a bunch of filthy rags, but I'll send my Son Jesus and He'll give you righteousness. What God demands out of us, He supplies for us in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then He is our sanctification. He is our wisdom. He is our holiness. He is our faithfulness. Paul said to the church at Thessalonica, faithful is He that calleth you, who also will do it. He's called you to do it, but then He'll do it through you. God will never ask something out of you without supplying you with what you need to do it. The law of provision. There's a third law, a final law that I see here working in this text. Not only do you see the law of priority, I forgot what it was called, God demands before He supplies. It's that good, I forgot what it was. And then the law of provision, God supplies what He demands. But I want to call it this, I call it the law of plenty. The law of plenty, and that is this, that God supplies more than he demands. Now, I, I'm not real smart. I was homeschooled a little while. But I see some math going on here. And what I note is this, is that for every cake that she makes for the preacher, she get, gets back two. You give one, you get two back. One for her, one for her boy. Every time she made one, she got two. That's pretty good right there. That's not a bad deal. Reminds me when I used to work at Chick-fil-A. That's something else we got in common. Were you ever the cow on the side of the road? I was too. They put me in the big cow costume and set me out on the side of the road. Eat more chicken. But so every now and then they let me work in the back. Well, not after they found out what I'm about to tell you, but... <laughs> working in a bag, put nuggets in boxes or whatever. And this is wrong. This is stealing. And the, this, I'd like to say it was before I got saved, but it was when I was in Bible college. But 
I'd take in boxes of nuggets and I'd put one nugget in the box. I'd say, one for you, two for me. That's wrong. And I, I, hindsight, I shouldn't have done that. And I, I really, I, I, I feel, well, I was going to lie now. I was going to say I felt bad about it. But. One for you, two for me. One for you. That's not a bad deal. It's all right. When they run out, they just make more. I mean, it just seemed like it was a great deal. But what's amazing is this, is that God gave to this woman far more. Listen to me. God gave to her much more than God ever demanded out of her. And isn't that how God's economy works? Give and it shall be given unto you. Right? Good measure. Pressed down. Shaking together. Running over. Shall men give unto your bosom? Can I tell you what? That's how God's economy operates. You give and God will give you more. And I'm here to tell you, whatever God has ever asked out of my life, He has given me much more. And I'm here to tell you, it pays to serve God. It does not cost to serve God. We need to quit poor mouth into another generation about how tough it is, about how hard it is. I want to tell you, it is tough and it is hard. And there are things that I've sacrificed, no doubt. But there's nothing that I've ever given up that He has not given me in greater measure. God has been faithful. It pays to serve God. It's overwhelming to think about the blessing that it is. Anything that I've ever given up for Him, He has doubled it, tripled it, quadrupled it, and gave it much more back to me. What a wonderful God we have. He's not a taker, He's a giver. God is a giver. Thank God. Let me tell you something about this woman now. About her barrel and her cruise. It doesn't say that it ever tipped, the, the, the barrel never tipped over because it was so heavy. It never says the cruise bubbled over because it was so full. That never happened. In fact, it looks like to me the text indicates that she went every day and probably scraped the bottom of it. The miracle was not in a running over, the miracle was this. It never ran out. The miracle was not that it ran over. The miracle is in the sustenance. The miracle is that it never ran out. And I'm here to tell you, listen, this world might look at Chris Simpson and say, that boy ain't got a lot. And you'd be right. I don't have a lot of money. I ain't got a lot of things. There's a lot of things this world has that I'll probably never have. But that's not where the miracle is. The miracle is not in what I have. The miracle is that it never runs out. He's given me an endless supply. A supernatural supply. And every time I go to the barrel, there's more and there's more and there's more. I ain't got a lot of money. I ain't got a lot of things. But God is supplying every need every single day. And when I need grace, there it is. And when I need hope, there it is. And when I need comfort, there it is. This world, listen, the devil will give you a big lump sum all at the first, but then it all runs out. And you ain't got none left. And you're sitting on the scrap heap of humanity with nothing left. But God, He may not give you a big bundle, but He giveth and He giveth and He giveth and He keeps on giving. And every time you need, whoop, there it is. The miracle is not that it ran over. The miracle is that it never, never, 
runs out. Now what Jesus told that woman at the well, if you knew, I could give you a well that'll never run dry. He said, in your belly, I'll make a rivers of living waters just over. It's an endless supply. That's where the miracle is. You give God just your little bit, and He'll let you tap into something that'll never run out. That's how God, He demands, yes, but God is not a demanding God. His commandments are not grievous. He's a giving God. He's a wonderful God. You could take those laws and you could run it through about every miracle of the Bible. Are you really good? I was thinking about the feeding of the 5,000. That would be kind of a, 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 a comparative miracle in the New Testament compared to this Old Testament. God demanded it. He looked at them disciples and He said, Feed this crowd. You're demanding out of us what we can't do. But then you know what God did? He supplied that which He demanded. God didn't make them come up. God, Jesus is the one that did it. And then what do you got at the end? You got 12 baskets left over. God. And I don't know who got them baskets of disciples. That boy, I guess that boy did. I think I'd like to go with that. Because God supplied more for that boy than He ever demanded. But I don't think they were really worried about who was taking the leftover. I think they were all sitting there like this. Oh, you take it home. No, you take it home. We're always worried about who got the baskets, who got the baskets. I don't think nobody's worried about getting the basket. Amen. Because God supplied much more than He ever demanded. And that's our God, no doubt about that. Some people are worried about what God's trying to take from them. That's not our God. Young people, they get they worry God's going to take their future and take their life and take their fun. No, 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 no. God will give you much more. Much more. And He ever demands out of you. Put Him first. Put Him first. Let's stand together. Father, we love You. Thankful for Your Word. Thankful for these laws, these principles that we can learn about You. And God, I pray that, Lord, it wouldn't just be a familiar story, but it would be our story of trusting you and seeing you provide. Lord, help us to trust you. Give us grace to trust you more and to know that you are a giving God. You are a gracious God. You do not withhold anything from us that is good for us. Lord, help us. Every time, any time you were to point your finger on something in our life, Lord, help us to freely, willingly, swiftly, obediently just let you have it knowing that you gave it anyway and it all belongs to you. Lord, we love you. Help us with these truths in Jesus' name.